Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In Tennessee, a man at a gas station fights back against a carjacker and wins. In New York, a fight on the third floor leads to a man getting tossed out a window. And in Alabama, a former ex-con is in trouble again with charges, including the murder of his ex. These stories and more coming at you today, Monday, September 11th, on Real Life Real Crime Daily. And I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. And it is 9-11 once again, guys. Yes. Right. Never forget, and uh, before we get into the crime time for today, right. we're gonna we're gonna we thought it'd be uh, uh, interesting to go around the room and just kind of talk about where we were and what we experienced on that day. Interesting, and never forget all That's the right. people that died and the, uh, all the heroes that ran in the buildings and everything else. But where were you, Jim? So for me, I was at that time working uh, for a friend of mine who owned a health food store. And we, we sold health supplements, smoothies, all those sort of things. I believe I was 24 at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, and I remember a customer coming in and the customer said, have you heard on the news? This is prior to texting, really. Right. It, text existed, but it wasn't a common thing. Uh, I told him that I I hadn't, you know, been busy. And he, and he said, man, a plane hit the World Trade Center. And as soon as he left, I turned on the radio and they had coverage of it. And uh, and as they were talking is when the second plane hit. Yeah. So as soon as that happened, I immediately called my wife, uh, who was who was also at work. And I said, uh, have you heard about these? She said, yeah, I heard about a plane hitting. I said, no, another plane Mm -hmm. hit. And I think it was, for me, the the realization of a terrorist situation was when the second plane hit. When the first plane hit, I thought somebody screwed up. Uh, When the second plane hit, it was like a ton of bricks. This, you know, we're under attack. And then, of course, from there, you heard about the plane crashing in the Pentagon and uh, also the plane that went down in the field in Pennsylvania. And it was it was a just a shocking day all around. Yeah, I remember it. I was 31 and I was working in uniform patrol and I had worked the night shift. Um, But I, I was living in Albany and. We had to get our unit serviced all the way up in Watson. Um, Perry Russian had the contract with the sheriff's office. So I was driving all the way across the parish, and I was listening to Kid Craddock in the morning, and the, they were doing their usual stick, and they said, hey, hey y'all, a plane just hit the uh, World Trade Center. And I was thinking, you know, like I was thinking you know, a small plane or whatever. I was in an accident, et cetera. So I pull up. Um, however many minutes later to Perry's to the garage mm-hmm. up in Watson mm-hmm. and I get out and I walk in the waiting room and they have the TV on and I didn't realize that the first building was on fire but I, I saw the plane coming in and I, I think that they're showing a replay but it wasn't 
it was the second plane and I saw it hit the tower and, yeah. and it's just absolutely, I, I left and went home and watched the coverage the rest of the day and probably like the rest of the nation, but you got a more personal story, right? Okay. Well, I, uh, I was living still in New York at the time. We had actually moved out of Manhattan the year before. So we were living up in the suburbs in a town called Rye up in, up in Westchester and they are, my memory of the day is unbelievably vivid. So this may take a couple minutes, but I think I think you guys will will like this. I think you'll appreciate hearing it. You know, when even here in Louisiana or California, when I was there, there are so many nice days in a year uh, that a single day in a year doesn't stand out to you because of its weather. But in New York, you maybe have 10 days in a year that are 10 out of 10s. And this day was so striking because it was crystal clear, beautiful, 72, 74 degrees. It was as gorgeous a day as you could possibly have. And so I drove in. I didn't take mass transit. so I my, and my drive was about an hour. So I got in the car about six fifteen in the morning to to drive down to the city. Normal drive, uh, no issues. I get to the office about uh, seven fifteen, seven thirty. I'm in my office, and every morning, uh, just about every morning at about nine o'clock back then, there would be team meetings in the uh, in the conference room. We had a pretty large staff and big conference room, and uh, and meetings at nine. And most of the time, I. I wouldn't participate in those meetings, but uh, this particular morning I was not uh, scheduled to participate in the meeting, but I heard somebody come running down the hall and my office was right next to the conference room. And a lot of people had already assembled in the conference room and they were there having coffee and, and, uh, uh, and somebody came running down the hallway. I don't remember who it was. And they yelled, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And there was big TV in the conference room, so we turned on the TV to the Today Show, which back then it was that was the dominant news program. I mean, it had right. five times the ratings of any other show. It was back when it was Katie Couric and, and, and Matt Lauer, and we uh, we turned that on. And my my first memory is that you know even though my my office is at fifty fifth in between sixth and seventh, which is you know, like four miles from right. uh, from downtown where the where the trade center is, and so there's even though you're there, you're there's a feeling like you're you're distant. Right. You're not you're not seeing it on the ground, but you're the buildings are so massive that you know all these New York City traffic copters are now hovering around the the buildings and showing you the the hole in in Tower One that was burning and. Nobody had a feel for how large the plane was, and so my first memory is everybody thinking this was a private plane, not a not a commercial plane. And then, as the newscast went on and they started getting more and more information, a lot of it wrong, by the way, uh, it it started to become clear that it was a larger fire, a larger hole, and um, and then I think it was like 17 or 18 minutes after the first plane hit, which was at 8.46 a.m., mm-hmm. the second plane comes in 
and there is no mistaking what has gone on because the view of the second plane is you see it make and a very direct turn mm, right I into Tower it. 2 and this it. massive explosion. And at that moment, I don't think anybody in the room, and, and still as I remember the uh, the news, I don't remember anybody saying terrorism right away or, or certainly not bin Laden's name right, right. or anything like that. It was it was just shock. And uh, and then as the as the news is is feeding in more and it becomes clear from their perspective uh, that this is likely a terrorist event and then Bush was down in Florida he I, was uh, actually he was in Louisiana Air, Air Force Base no well that was when he that. heard right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, he, he was, was at Longboat Key teaching Florida the, teaching at a, the, uh, at a school uh, reading, yeah, a reading a book, book. Too. yeah yeah and uh, and I. Uh, Distinctly remember uh, him, his his calm demeanor, mm-hmm. and how direct he they, was they whispered about. It in his ear, and yeah. it was the first time it got said, you know, in a absolutely declarative way. You know, there's been a terrorist attack on the United States, mm-hmm. and I forget his exact words, but it was something like, we, "These people will not get away with what they've done yeah. um, to our country," and and that. Uh, that carried uh, a lot of weight, but people by this point are uh, are crying. Everybody's everybody's hugging each other. I had had a situation where just two years earlier, the guy who was my number two in the in in the company uh, had a heart attack in the office and died in my arms. And so we we had had a situation where the entire staff was grief stricken before. And because the second, if you lived there and you grew up there, there's no way you didn't know somebody, most people knowing a number of people that worked either in the towers or in one of the other trade center buildings, which Mm -hmm. were much smaller or right in that surrounding area. And the, the, the visuals that were coming in were making it really clear that, uh, that, you know, this was having an impact in the entire area but it never occurred to me, uh, never occurred to – I never heard anybody speak about a potential collapse right. prior to it happening. Right. And when the first – which was actually the second tower crumbled first, when mm-hmm. it crumbled, it, there was just an unbelievable feeling of – like you could hear the screams of thousands as the building was going to the ground, 110-story, just something that symbolized the strength of New York, the strength of the country, America. It You could see that thing from everywhere. You were 50 miles away from the city. If you were uh, at any kind of elevation, you could look on a clear day and see yeah. those towers. There's just such a indelible signal uh, symbol of, of of New York that the when it collapsed, the first one collapsed. It everything took a another turn. It just made it that much that much harder. And the city was now in lockdown, so they shut all the bridges and tunnels. You couldn't the major ones. You couldn't get out or you couldn't get in from any of the major bridges. And so we spent a good deal of time 
making sure our people all had places to stay. Right. If they, like a lot of people lived in the city and could get home, but for people that that lived outside of the city, making sure they had someone to stay with or getting them a hotel room or or what have you, it it so happened that where we lived, you could you could get home by going over one of these small bridges over the Harlem River. Like people don't realize from the northern tip of Manhattan to the Bronx is less than a hundred yards mm. in uh, the Harlem River. So there are all these little bridges, the Third Avenue Bridge, 155th Street, the Willis Avenue Bridge that cross over the Harlem River and you can get home. And so once I knew the staff was okay, we uh, we closed the, the office and I headed down to the garage and, and grabbed my car. And I came out 6th Avenue. And if you've been in New York, spent any time there, I'm heading uptown on 6th Avenue, and it's only four blocks until I hit Central Park South, leaving from where my office is, uh, was. And as I'm at that corner, I am seeing all of these people, I mean, four, five, six, eight deep on either sides of the street that are just covered in soot. Mm. People that had no other way to get uptown than to walk yeah. after they they're trying uh, to get away huh? after the t- they're just and and it's like out of a a zombie movie it's an apocalyptic scene they're all mm-hmm. covered in this stuff and I'm alone in a you know a Chevy Tahoe and and so a guy uh, just looks at me and says can I have a ride and I said sure jump in and unlock the door for him and right when I did that a number of other people noticed that I had done it and they came rushing to the car. So I filled the car up. In fact, filled it so much that I had, I think four people on, cause it had running boards on the, so you could stand and we lowered the window so they could hold onto something inside the car. So I think I had 12 people mm-hmm. as we, and we were moving so slowly that it wasn't dangerous to do what, uh, what we were doing. And these people had walked so far and had been through so much. They're that, trying to get away. That So uh, so there I cross Central Park South and enter what's called the Park Drive. And you're able, it's like a, it's like a highway inside of, uh, of Central Park. So you're, you're away from the buildings and, and the, the numbered streets and you're, and you're able to go 40 blocks, 50 blocks up riding through the park. And so I'm riding through the park with these people and most everyone is, is either silent or crying. No one's mm-hmm. talking. And um, and we get to uh, about 90th Street, maybe 86th or or, uh, or or 90th, and there are there are ways out of the park at both of those slots, and there are people who who could get home going that way. So people got off, and at that point, it was only uh, folks in the car now. And I introduced myself. And then other people uh, introduced themselves. So we now had names and we continued uh, on up through the park. And what I was looking to do was get over the Willis Avenue bridge. I get over the Willis Avenue bridge. And so now I'm in the Bronx and there's an expressway. It's called the Deegan Expressway, which is on a normal day as busy as any of these highways, freeways around New York City. And at that particular point, it's actually elevated a little bit. And so I looked through the the rearview mirror in in the truck 
And I could see, again, this was this perfectly clear blue sky day, uh, something that never happens in New York. And these two plumes of smoke coming out of downtown that were being blown to the southeast were coming up almost intact, like almost in the shape of the towers. Mm. And I stopped the car. There's no one on the road. It was a highway, but there was no one on the road because unless you could do what I was doing, coming from Manhattan over Willis Avenue and, and then going, you there was no one coming across the George Washington Bridge or the Triborough. It was, that was the only way you could be where we were. I stopped. All of us got out of the car and stared at this. And it was as if the ghosts of the Twin Towers were ascending into the, it, that's what it looked like. Mm. And we all just sat there crying, hugging each other, watching this. I don't know. We were probably there five minutes, but in my mind, it feels like it was 30, you know, it was, so we get back in the, in the car and I get everyone to tell me where they live and figure out a route to, to get everybody at least close to home or home along, uh, along the way. And, uh, and I finally get home. My wife had tried to get into the city and had been turned away. So she came in late that day, was trying to come in late that day for whatever reason, and they'd already shut the city off. And so she had to go back uh, back home. So she was already home. I guess I got home about two o'clock. Cell service was, I mean, I kept trying to call yeah. people that I was worried about and couldn't get through to anybody and was starting to get just really worried about my brother-in-law really worried about uh, my cousin and some high school friends. And uh, I walked in the door and the first thing that, uh, that I'm greeted with is we had, we were sharing a nanny with another family. So uh, X number of days she was with us, X number of days she was with them. She was with us on that day, but, and I didn't know them, uh, the other family well, I met them, but, uh, but right when I get in, it's the it's the nanny that greets me to tell me the husband in the other family is dead. Wow. That's the first thing, and uh, and so she's hit with that. I finally get through to my mother, and my mother tells me that my cousin Beth's husband, who ironically was not supposed to be working that day, who was. Uh, a firehouse captain in Brooklyn came in when he heard about what happened and went into tower one and, and, and died in tower one. Mm. A month later, we'd find out that Beth was pregnant um, uh, with his child. His name is Terry. The daughter's name is Terry after him. And, and just saw her back in New York in, in June. And just the second you lay your eyes on her, it brings, you know, everything back. And so, you know those those couple of days, and uh, the learning about who was okay and who wasn't okay, and then all of the because it's like the six degrees of separation thing. It's you know I, I only had four people that were more than acquaintances of mine uh, that we 
loss that day, but I had all kinds of people that were connected in different ways. Mm-hmm. That So all that news is, is coming in. You're not going to work. Uh, the office is closed. Uh, basically, the country was, was, right. was closed. Air travel's closed off. And uh, I don't know how many days later it was, but it was Bush again uh, throwing out the pitch. I don't know if you guys remember that. When he uh, went to Yankee Stadium, was it Yankee or Shea? Uh, I think it was Yankee. Um, it might have been Shea because Mike Piazza hit a big home run that was symbolic. It was Shea. Uh, and it was a president throwing out a pitch. And most of the time when any celebrity throws out a pitch, it ends up 20 feet over the catcher's head or in the dirt. Or you know, I think 50 Cent threw one a couple months ago that was in the dirt after about five feet and, and Bush threw a strike. Yeah. Uh, and between that, that game was the symbol of, okay, now it, it's, it's time to, it's time to get back to work. It's time to, to pick ourselves up and, and to, uh, and to fight back. And by then, you know, bin Laden's name was a household name and, and, uh, uh, people like, uh, like Bush, like crazy Rudy, uh, who at that time was still sane and uh, and was a good mayor in uh, in New York, were really uh, providing incredible leadership. And so it's it all affected me. Uh, it affected everybody that lived there in the city that experienced you know experienced it on the ground, and then you know were. To me, it was the the experience I had with that group of people, none of whom know me by anything other than Mike, who had the Chevy Tahoe, and uh, by 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 their na- first names. Uh, but that shared experience of looking back down and seeing those plumes of smoke going—I I just never ever forget that. Mm-hmm. Powerful, bro. Then never forget it. Yeah. Right, all the people that died and all the heroes that day, and just one, one once, thing it did was bringing the country together. Remember, American flags everywhere, man. That and was, that's I can't that, believe it's been twenty that something is years. Such a uh, a huge thing. I actually wrote down because uh, I should read this one little thing to have it. Yeah. So the nine eleven commission, you know, which was a commission of uh, five uh, Republicans and five Democrats. That worked together. The, the thing is a huge volume. It's like 500 pages mm-hmm. of what they did. But the very opening, the, the preface, uh, they wrote, we hope that the terrible losses chronicled in this report can create something positive in America that is safer, stronger, and wiser. That September day, we came together as a nation. The test before us is to sustain that unity of purpose and meet the challenges now confronting us. And Man, are we failing miserably right. at doing that as a country? And I, I said to my son last night, and I would recommend this to any your grandkids or you know anyone who was less than you know five six years old back in in two thousand one is go on YouTube and watch the actual coverage from that morning. Uh, I know the the whole Today Show is on there. I'm sure others are as well. And watch that with your kid or your grandkid because so they they're know. going to understand something that they don't understand yeah. right now. Yeah. 
Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Well, you want to get in some crime time? Yeah, let's do that. All right. A repeat carjacker has been taken down by an owner of a muscle car in Tennessee. This armed 18-year-old approached a man at a Tennessee gas station and demanded 
his Dodge Charger. The man fought back, and Memphis police say he managed to hold down the would-be carjacker until officers arrived and arrested him. The man was charged in connection with the attempted uh, carjacking on September 3rd and another carjacking on August 31st. The 18-year-old was still wearing a ski mask when he pulled up to a gas station in Memphis on September 3rd. He pointed a gun at the owner of the Charger and demanded the car. As the suspect was about to get in the car, its owner grabbed him in a physical confrontation ensued over the handgun. The gun went off during the struggle and struck the inside of the car. Eventually, police said the owner of the car managed to get a hold of the handgun and held the 18-year-old on the ground until police arrived and arrested him. When the man was arrested, he told police he had taken part in another carjacking just a few days earlier. On August 31st, that 18-year-old and another man approached the owner of a Nissan Rogue and demanded the car and her belongings. The 18-year-old grabbed the woman's iPhone and pressed the gun to her head, telling her move away from the car. The other man got in the passenger seat, and the 18-year-old got in the driver's seat, and they drove away. The woman later picked uh, that 18-year-old out of a lineup. And so some good news for once yep. involved in a carjacking, that is someone stood up, and right. and thank God that person was able to handle handle this kid yeah, and, yeah. and because that was a loaded gun, you know, I, I went off it, and everything. Right, so. I, I say about these punks, get a fucking job. Yeah, right? yeah, no um, doubt about it. Get a job. And let's go back to, well, let's go to Rochester, New York. And a man was charged with murder after police alleged that he severely beat a 65-year-old man and then threw him out of a third-floor window. Damien Young... <laughs> 38 is accused of attacking Angel Lopez, 65, in their shared apartment building early Thursday morning. Lopez initially landed on a second-floor fire escape before falling onto the pavement where he died from his injuries. Young was arrested Thursday and taken to to Rochester General Hospital under a mental hygiene law. He is currently in custody in Monroe County Jail. And as of Friday, Wham TV reported that Rochester police had been unable to locate any of Lopez's relatives in the aftermath of the incident. Young appeared in court on Saturday and pleaded not guilty. And y'all check it out. He requested to represent himself. A judge denied the request and remanded to jail without, uh, without bond. And according to the New York State Sex offender registry. Young is a level two registered sex offender, having served a prison sentence for attempted an attempted abuse, which I'm sure wasn't abuse. They dropped it down in 2006. All these crazy murdering old people. I don't get it. I don't get it. Six thirty something killing a sixty five five year old over who knows what threw him out of a damn window. What are you gonna do? That had to make him work, right? Well, here's a, uh, a domestic abuse story that's uh, it's pretty crazy. An Alabama woman who was eight weeks pregnant was found stabbed inside a fire station where she had been seeking refuge from alleged domestic abuse. So the guys at the firehouse right. took her in right. to protect her and take yeah. care of her. The man she was hiding from is now under arrest and charged with murder just weeks after 
he celebrated her pregnancy by writing on social media, I'm so happy to have you in my life. Her name, Treasure Hennessy, was 37. She was found stabbed to death inside the Fort Mitchell Fire Station early on Saturday morning. Hennessy had recently been granted permission to stay at the fire station as a, quote, safe house, police said, after moving out her, of her on and off again boyfriend, his name is Bradley Stokes, residence last month. Stokes was waiting and hiding on her, Russell County Sheriff Heath Taylor said, Sunday detailing the killing. According to Taylor, Stokes then allegedly tried to hide Hennessy's car in bushes behind a barn across the street before fleeing in his own vehicle. The victim's car was found the next day when local farmers were trimming bushes. Taylor said the police tracked Stokes down to a hotel in Columbus, Georgia, and he was arrested later that day. The Russell County Sheriff's Office said its officers engaged in a short vehicle and foot chase before they were able to detain Stokes. He's charged with capital murder and awaiting extradition to Russell County. Uh, Treasure was, that's Treasure. That's crazy, man. Sad, pregnant, young girl. Uh, it's not. Pregnant, girl. It's not clear if Stokes has entered a plea yet. He'd just been released from prison in early June yeah. after a 16-year sentence for uh, gun violations, young girl, gun yeah. violations, and a manslaughter charge. That's crazy. So, uh, you know, she, she can't. The vi- and the victim in that, and the victim in that case was his wife. And so, yeah. how? The guy just gets out in June. He went to prison for killing his wife. 16 How do you years. How does, he, with- how does he get? She's got to be in her 20s. She looks young. I don't know. Uh, do they say how young? How old he was? I forget how old he was. Well, I'm going to show you a picture of him well, in a second. He did 16 years. So um, he had to be at least in his mid to late 30s. Well, shortly after his uh, release, he entered a relationship with Hennessy. And they dated on and off for a couple months. The sheriff's office said he received that they received at least two domestic violence reports against Stokes filed by Hennessy in recent months. Stokes posted a collection of photos of himself with Hennessy on Facebook and wrote, I hope we can work through our relationship problems. I love you and I can't wait to see our baby. I pray that God will bring us back together like we was. Taylor, the sheriff, said the expecting mother moved into the fire station in late August, where Stokes eventually found out she was staying. He hid and, and ambushed her that morning. Uh, he felt like Miss Hennessy was going to sign a warrant for domestic violence on him, which would violate his probation and send him back to prison. That mm. was his motive for doing this. But look at this. Yeah, winner. Unbelievably sad. Kill it. Mm. A 42-year-old man was arrested last week after standing naked in an apartment doorway and waving at drivers passing by on a busy street because he wanted to spread some love. That's right. Elijah Barker is charged with felony count of possession of methamphetamine and misdemeanor misdemeanor indecent exposure after, after appearing in a state of nudity, not in a public place, but with intent. Centerville, Indiana police responded to an apartment complex for reports of the naked man masturbating in the doorway. When they arrived, they found Barker front door curtains open, making it possible for officers to see his entire apartment. He approached the officers at the door and asked if he could put some clothes on. (laughs) An officer noted in the arrest report, I advised I would prefer that he did. (laughs) 
Yeah, right. <laughs> so Centerville police officer spoke to Barker about standing naked in public, and he said he believed it was acceptable behavior. He told the police he used meth but recently stopped. However, he had some meth in his wallet. Yeah. So Barker told officers he recently experienced a spiritual awakening mm. and thought he could spread some love by being naked and waving at passersby. Yeah. Barker's landlord coincidentally filed an eviction notice in August that demanded he be out of the apartment by September 10th. Apparently, uh, our Indiana naked guy couldn't wait that long. Oh, yeah. No shirt on. Quit being good. So, yeah. Uh, put on some that looks you know, like nothing wrong you, with spreading a little love. If you looked up naked Indiana guy in the dictionary, there yeah. would be a picture yeah, of this like guy. Right? That's it. I mean, he, you know he definitely up, fits the profile. You know who's upset? His meth dealer. Because he's going to be locked <laughs> up. <you know>? Well, <laughs> you know, a, you get those calls too, right? Yeah, yeah right. And ain't always a shooting. Yep. So, yeah. now... I'm going to take you to another harbor, y'all. Police in Jonesboro, Georgia, shot and killed a 17-year-old boy on Saturday that they Mm -hmm. said killed a police dog and pointed a gun at officers. The Clayton County Police Department identified the teenager as Stephon Ford, 17 Mm -hmm. years of age. The events began unfolding just before 2 a.m., Saturday, when the Jonesboro Police Department responded to a call of suspicious activity at a motel, police arrested two people, and a K-9 unit from the Clayton County Police Department was used to track a third person to a wooded area. Clayton Police Captain John Ivey said officers gave verbal commands for the suspect to come out, but the suspect fired at officers and struck the police dog. The dog named Moro died of his, his injuries. About eight hours later, police found Ford in a wooded area behind a neighborhood. An officer directed Ford to put his gun down and surrender. Uh, Evidently, he didn't do it, y'all. The officers fatally shot uh, Ford after he pointed the gun at them. So Assistant Police Chief Bruce Parks said that officers were trying to apprehend Ford, who was suspected of firing a gun to officers and killing a police dog early in the day. The officer shot and killed Ford after he pointed the gun at them in the overhaul the overall situation is tragic. We hate it. We never want anything like this to happen, Parks told reporters. Last week I reported on the financial state of the cannabis business across the US, if you guys remember. Right. Uh, talking about how uh, most of these companies weren't making any money, most were losing money. The Department of Health and Human Services has recommended that the DEA now loosen regulations on marijuana at the federal level. The White House is calling for the agency to reclassify marijuana as a Schedule Three substance under the Controlled Substances Act. Cannabis is currently classified as a Schedule One substance, which the DEA considers, quote, substances or chemicals with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. Other Schedule One drugs include heroin, LSD, meth, while drugs like cocaine and fentanyl are classified actually as Schedule II drugs, which means the government considers them to have some kind of legitimate medical purpose, um, although the risk of abuse is still high, right? So proponents of the legislation have long said that marijuana's Schedule I classification is outdated and out of step with the common sense uh, 
and called for it to be reclassified, and the White House agrees. So in a letter to the DEA, the HHS Assistant Secretary, Rachel Levine, said that the FDA had completed a comprehensive scientific evaluation of marijuana at the president's directive and concluded its federal classification should be amended. So the DEA is now going to conduct its own review and will likely make a final ruling before the end of the year. A move to Schedule 3 would put marijuana in the same category as substances like testosterone and codeine and and others that the DEA considers to have, quote, moderate to low potential for physical or psychological dependence. Um, So this latest action would be a huge step toward complete federal decriminalization of marijuana. So if the DEA complies with the administration's recommendation, it will have an immediate impact on marijuana businesses operating in the 23 states where cannabis possession is currently legal. As we reported last week, because marijuana is a Schedule One substance, the businesses selling it are currently restricted from most tax exemptions for expenses like salaries and benefits. We said, if you remember that Uh, Many of them might be paying as much as 70% overall tax. Mm -hmm. And so this lifts that burden and allows them to expense, uh, assuming it goes through, uh, all those things like salaries and benefits and many other things. The Schedule 3 classification would allow them to immediately begin paying uh, far less in taxes, as I said. And as a result, cannabis-linked stocks exploded on Wall Street over the last few days with the largest marijuana exchange-traded fund jumping 20% in one day. Wonder how many people in Congress bought them some Mary Jane ETFs in the couple of days uh, before that. Uh, The most recent Gallup poll shows that 6 in 10 Americans support pot legalization for recreational use, while nearly 9 in 10 say it should be legal for medical use. The same Gallup poll shows that half of Americans have tried pot at some point in their lives, while only 1 in 6 use it regularly. That's double the rate of a decade ago. And so while it's essentially impossible to overdose on marijuana, there are critics out there who say that doesn't mean it's harmless. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com R-L-R-C and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's weed is much more potent potent than it was in the past, and uh, I don't know. This is not a this is not something I'm feeling very positive about. All right, well, crime is so bad in Oakland that a Dodge Charger, which crashed and flipped on its side, had its catalytic converter stolen just minutes later. Matter of fact, That's instead funny. of people rushing to make sure the people inside the Charger were fine. Then calling the police and waiting for a tow truck, witnesses made sure to help themselves to whatever was valuable, whether it was bolted down or not. And there's actually pictures of a, of a gentleman uh, sawing off the catalytic converter with the charger still on its side. With this people still in the car? Ne- people still in the car. Oh, my God. We know this won't shock anyone who's been paying attention to this podcast, as Mike has, has several times talked about the crime in Oakland. But, you know, uh, just catalytic converters in general, they, they're becoming a highly uh, theft-producing item. As a matter of fact, at a friend of mine right here in, in Livingston Parish, Louisiana, parked at Bass Pro Shop and, uh, you know, rode with another friend for about an hour and a half, came back, and their catalytic converters were gone. Yeah. At Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. You know, you would uh, – so – What could a catalytic converter be worth? Uh, oh, so it's, they, it was worth a lot. They, yeah, they, they did it in all the school buses and everything else. Yeah, it has palladium in it. Yeah, and they and uh, palladium's palladium's more valuable than gold. Uh-huh. So, uh, so at any rate, um, it's becoming a big problem just with that particular theft in general. But it's so bad in Oakland that you're stealing it with the car, the car flipped flipped on its side. that's an all time low that's yeah, a new i mean it, yeah and that, you just whip the tool out of your pocket and cutting off the catalytic converter right or unscrewing it or whatever that's it so uh i just came across that when i was doing my research and found that just to be absolutely insane it is insane that, yeah. uh, i don't know mike you spent any time in oakland when you were in that area yeah uh a company Pandora, you guys ever listen to? Yeah, Pandora was a big client of mine, and they were they were though they still are headquartered in Oakland. So I was there fairly often. Um, was it always kind of an unsafe area? There are definitely pockets where, uh, and I'll tell you what, my my scariest memories of Oakland are traveling with my son's uh, basketball. Uh, team to play in tournaments up in Oakland where you're playing, you know, you're playing your games in, you know, big gang areas. And, you know, there are all kinds of fights between, you know, parents, <laughs> uh, a lot of the times moms. Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely a scary place. Well, let me tell you about some more y'all, um, crimes and another one of your old areas might, a group of bandits broke into more than a dozen homes in ritzy New York City neighborhood, swiping nearly 10 luxury cars in a cross-borough operation that spanned three months. The car seized stole a Porsche, 
Mercedes, Range Rover, and other high-end vehicles from driveways in Queens and Brooklyn from June through August, police said. They were still on the loose Sunday night. The gang typically worked in groups of four and three and targeted homes primarily in the affluent neighborhoods of, of Whitestone, but also hit houses in Bayside, Jamaica Estates, Hollisswood, and Manhattan Beach, and Bay Ridge. They would strike in the early morning hours, often when the homeowners were asleep inside. The gang of thieves first began their crime spree on June 2nd at a home near Point Crescent, but were run out of the, by the homeowner before they could take anything. Later that month, the robbery crew hit two other homes, but left empty-handed each time after they were confronted by a homeowner in the first place and were scared off by a security alarm at the second. So they were 0 for 3, y'all, but undeterred. Their next stop on July 21st was more fruitful. They broke into a home near uh, 222nd Street in Queens at 1 a.m. and stole an Audi SUV. And then the following day, four of the thieves stole a BMW sedan from a house near the 29th, 291st Street in Queens. They struck again the day after that and swiped a Range Rover SUV and Porsche from a home near Cambridge Road in Queens. And again a day later when they drove away with jewelry, clothes, cash, and a Mercedes-Benz from a home near Ridge Boulevard in Brooklyn. The bandits snatched clothes, a Genesis sedan, and a BMW SUV from other residences in July while fleeing from other homes empty-handed after the home a home alarm system went off. Their last known burger was on August 2nd, and car thefts have surged by roughly 19% year-over-year, according to NYPD crime data. Um, uh, so they're right? still on the loose. They're still on the loose, and the NYPD is asking for anyone to, you know, any information to call. Wow, that's a lot of... Get a uh, job. Get yep. a job. Leave yep. these fucking... But go get your own shit. That's right. I think they'd say to you that they got a job yeah, and it yeah, pays right. well and yeah. they're crime don't pay not <laughs> getting a lot of resistance. Oh yeah, the crime does kind of pay, I guess. Yeah. But evidently they're graduating in their their thievery skills. You can now take off that belt wow. and move freely wow. around the cabin. It is mile high mile crime high time. High. And look, I may have the best mile high crime I've ever come across. There you go. And lay it on us. Uh, you know, we, we brought you on Friday a, a, a story about a girl who uh, she had a bomb. beat the crap out of. Oh, that no, one. no. Yeah. We're talking we're talking about the about romper the, style. The, the, the toilet. <laughs> yeah, the light, yeah, that's right. The porter can. Y'all got to watch that video. Yeah. Jim just showed it to me. It's hilarious. So what, yes, in the video, in the video was required to really grasp right. You know how crazy that is. Well, this is another uh, story that these cell phone cameras, man, they're everywhere. They're looking at you. And, of course, anytime anything crazy goes down, people are grabbing them cell phones. So we're going to introduce you to someone today. And we're going to introduce you to Amelia Joy. Amelia Joy. Amelia Joy. She's a crazy lady who went nuts at John Wayne Airport over the weekend when sheriff's deputies pulled up to have a word with her at a wine bar. Amelia, uh, who, according to her website, dabbles in singing and songwriting on the side, proceeded to go into a full rage as cops decided she needed to take a trip to the detention center. With a fellow passenger rolling video, Amelia can be heard telling someone off camera, 
You can find me on .com, but I'm trying to switch to .love. Now, that sounds like a line I would use, right. but she, she stole that she's in, she's in custody. That's it. Now, after a woman sitting at the bar tries to intervene to calm down Amelia, who's holding a glass of water, deputies figure that's about the time she needs to be taken down before an innocent bystander gets rocked upside the head with a glass right. or something. So she starts telling the police as they're handcuffing her, kiss me. Tell me I'm fucking hot. She screams at one of the deputies before spitting on him and trying to kick him in the balls. She then says, tell me I'm fucking sexy. Oh, my God. Yes. Amelia screams as a crowd at the wine bar gasp. You're going to break my wedding ring, she says, and I've never been married. Uh, Now, figure that one out. Let me let me quote that again. You're going to break my wedding ring and I've never been married. That's crazy. I don't know. Only she knows what that meant. But Amelia continues as the cuffs are being applied. Now, this chick, when you see this video, is so crazy. She reminds me of Aaron Rodgers just before he goes off on like a trip to Costa Rica, whatever it is, Costa Rica, and he's smoking ayahuasca or drinking it or whatever they do with that, whatever the cool kids are doing. I mean, this chick is hippie now. She is hippie. I can definitely say it wasn't the $12 wine. Yes. wine I got her. I have some uh, audio I'm going to play of, of her little confrontation for the poli- with the police. It's about 45 seconds long. So you can hear her in her own words. I'm not. I'm not. They said I'm mad. And my children? My children love me. You're going to break my wedding ring and I've never been married. I've never been married. This is exactly what has been happening. That's Absolutely out of this world. And that's your mile high crime for today. You can now take off that crazy, belt. Crazy, right? Freely She's crazy. Un- this chick is crazy. Unreal. Yes. Two people were arrested after police say they were caught performing a sex act in an Oklahoma City Sonic, mm. right? Andrea Kennedy, 28, that? and John Chitty, 35, were arrested at the area Sonic. Employees of the restaurant called police after observing Kennedy perform oral sex mm. on Chitty while they were parked at one of the restaurant's stalls. Hey. The two had... Re- just left a Florida Georgia Line concert at the Choctaw Grand <laughs> that Theater. That explains the whole thing. And the police said they <laughs> appear to be drunk. Both were arrested and now face indecent exposure complaints. And that is your kinky crime 
for uh, Monday. Apparently, uh, Florida Georgia line sparks a little bit. Right. I wonder if they ordered the foot long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a foot long, Connie. Can I get a foot long? I don't need that. I already got you it. You remember the one we did right. where the. Um, That's right. I the, said it. The Sonic employee lost his bag of cocaine in the hot yeah. dog. Oh Sonic's got a lot of. Really craziness have, going on yeah, at Sonic. But if I have to eat fast food and get service, I'm, I'm, they pretty much never fucked up my stuff. So that was your kinky crime. Kinky crimes for money. Thank you. Well, you haven't heard his name in a while, and I'm sure everybody's been missing him. But he is one of the dumbest criminals of all time. He's our jailed heartthrob and all Woody (laughs) team disgraced South Carolina piece of shit, Alex Murdaugh. Oh, my God. And he's a dumb criminal today because... He's definitely a dumb criminal. He wants his murder conviction thrown out. Uh, Shocker. You Hmm. know why? Why? Tell us. He says the local court clerk tampered with the jury. Mm. By the way, is there any 12 people across the United States, not with the last name Murdaugh, you could have put on that jury that wouldn't in three hours or less have found him freaking guilty? Okay. So we all remember he was sentenced to two life sentences for the murders of Maggie and Pawpaw. His attorneys have appealed his murder conviction. Because they now accuse a woman by the name of Rebecca Hill, who is the Colleton County Clerk of Court, for tampering with the jury. According to his attorneys, Hill was advising them not to believe Murdaugh's testimony (laughs) and other evidence presented by the defense and pressuring jurors to reach a guilty verdict quickly and misrepresenting critical and material information to the trial judge in her campaign to remove a juror she believed might be favorable to the defense. This is all in a motion for a new trial that was uh, filed by Richard Harputlian and James Griffin. You remember those yep. brilliant attorneys who got their asses kicked? Uh Ms. Hill did these things to secure for herself a book deal and media appearances that would not happen in the event of a mistrial. The attorneys claim Ms. Hill betrayed her oath of office for money and fame. Hill released a book about Murdaugh's murder trial. It's called Behind the Doors of Justice, the Murdaugh Murders in late July. That seems like a little bit of a conflict, maybe. But jurors deliberated for less than three hours before finding Murdaugh guilty of shooting his wife and his son to death, and uh, a fresh look at how he's doing in prison. Oh, I, mean, I like shaved, his haircut. Shaved yeah. head and all of his girlfriends. What? what um, at least he has Why did you point on. out the shaved head? <laughs> <laughs> yours is much more cleanly shaved. Yeah, yours is, <laughs> his, is, is, uh, his is messed I've up. I've never seen yours like that. Yeah. So he yeah. maintained and still maintains his innocence Whatever. in the murders, and rumor is he has hired OJ to find the real killer. Yeah. <laughs> well, give you know, me some banjo. Wait, before we do banjos, you know, interesting thing. Buster Murdoch has a news, uh, I guess, an interview thing going on on Fox News or something like that. He, Fox, it, and, and the, their app. 
Yeah. Uh, he's done he's done a number of interviews lately. Have you seen to, it? No, I wouldn't waste. I mean, come on. Wouldn't waste your time. Buster Murdoch. The only reason I'd watch that is to see if that dumb chick is still with him. Yeah, I, yeah, I lost I that. Say, I was gonna say. I that. forgot about her. She ain't with him no more. No oh, way. Huh? Oh, oh, oh. I'm gonna watch and get you informed on that. Dumb. America needs to know. America needs to know. <laughs> yes. Well, we don't have uh, music for our last segment for today, but we're gonna say WTF. What the? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. the F it, is taking it, so long on the theme music? Come what on, do you all appreciate this the? one? All right. So police in Marion County, Florida, pulled over a 26-year-old Patreon Stokes for speeding this summer. After that, they apparently smelled some marijuana. So they searched his car. They found a bunch of drugs, specifically meth, crack, heroin, and money. <laughs> so they That's take him into custody. But when they arrive at the station, the money had vanished. Uh, yeah, it was a short-lived mystery. Money started falling out of his ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> In the form of $20 bills, no. like he was some kind of gastrointestinal ATM. <laughs> According uh, to a Facebook post by the Marion County Sheriff's Office, after a necessary but undesirable process from every, for everyone involved, Deputies located $1,090 in currency hidden in his ass. Oh, my God. Up his rectum. That's right. $1,090? Yeah. So he must have had a 10 mixed in there somewhere. I hope it wasn't all ones. (laughs) (laughs) Or pennies. (laughs) Yeah. One of those pennies and nickels. $1,090, and you can confirm that by going to the Marion County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. We don't make this stuff up, Uh folks. He received. Wait, that's not five hundred twenty dollars bills. I don't know. That's yeah, a that's five hundred twenty. He had five hundred twenty dollars bills <laughs> up his ass. Oh my god, that's a lot. Can't be five hundred, huh? Well, five hundred times ten no, would that'd be, be five thousand. Yeah, say, oh, one, one thousand. Okay, okay, he had fifty. Well, he had fifty. That's still a lot. That's still a lot. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. god, no less shocking. I failed my math responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's money that's actually going to need to be laundered. Yeah, really. For <laughs> literally real. laundered. Yeah, literally and then, laundered. And that visual body cavity search. That's right. Know, uh, showed something. And he seems so smart. He was diversifying his business. I mean, he had and who wants to meth, bag, heroin. Who wants to tag and bag that evidence? You never know right. what's going to be hot that day. You want to have that, a little bit of everything. That Marion County, that's where Ocala is. There's yeah, a lot of a lot, bad lot shit of going shit. down over there. I mean, there are some crazy there folks go. in there. Well, that was a story that I said. What? WTF. That is definitely yeah, that's WTF. That's it. So we hope uh, we hope all everybody takes a moment today and just, just remembers the families of the people affected by uh, the horrible, tragic events of September 11th, 2001. Yeah. And never forget. Yeah, that's right. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. For Real Life, Real Crime Daily, peace. peace. Always remember. Always remember. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.